There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And we are very excited to have joining with us today, Taryn Southern, technologist, actor, songwriter, extraordinarily talented person who's here <laughs> with some new music that we're going to deconstruct today. Ooh. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I just want to get right into this because I think that your music is going to overwhelmingly surprise people. <laughs> it's perhaps even going to frighten some listeners. And I don't want to ruin this surprise. I figure what we could do is just jump right into it and hear a little bit of your new single, Life Support. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, Taryn, this is a really fun song. Thank you. That's me. <laughs> what do you think is most going to surprise people about this track? Um, I think that the most surprising aspect of this track is that it was composed using only artificial intelligence. Composed and produced, shall I say. Absolutely extraordinary. Wow. A robot made the music. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's like the quick and easy, I suppose, marketing definition. But I'm sure on this type of podcast, right. we're going to get really into the dirty details of what that means and what actually was done yeah. using the AI. Totally. So your upcoming album, I Am AI, is composed with many of the latest artificial intelligence music technologies. And today, what I want to do is break down how those tools assist the creative process and dispel some of the myths, which I might have set up in a completely inappropriate way at the top of the show <laughs> no, about how great. AI may be replacing humans or not replacing humans, specifically through the musical process. I'm glad that that's how you set it up, because that's exactly the best way to unpack all of it is to start with the headline and then work your way backwards. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So we got a, a taste of the chorus already. I want to start from the top of the song and listen to the verse. Look up now in the distance, what have we become? Faded lights, desert skies, have we come undone? Consumed by a game, designed by the blind, there's no way to win, no escape route I can find. I'm Mm. This is really powerful for me because in researching the work that you've done, you're a bit of an AI enthusiast. You consult and support people in learning more about artificial intelligence and its role in modern society. And here, your music is taking sort of a more dark dystopian point of view. And I wanted to know, why did you choose to take on this narrative point of view as your point of inspiration? Well, the album is entitled I Am AI. And so the entire journey that I take through the album is one of exploring, I think, all of the opportunities and perils that are presented by technology. So this song definitely takes a more dystopian view. Mm -hmm. Although, ironically, I wrote this song 
one day while feeling particularly down about the obsession that people, particularly young people, have with social media. Mm. So mm. I was actually more projecting our current state with technology that I'm actually hoping that artificial intelligence and other technologies will assist us in pulling ourselves out of. That's beautiful. <laughs> By demonstrating that it's terrible for us. <laughs> I think we may share some similar feelings on that. What are uh, some of the issues that stood out for you on that day? I think that we've become obsessed with likes and followers. And this is not just amongst social media celebrities. This is yeah. every you know young teenager in America who now perceives their own value based on how many people are, are looking at and liking their posts. And I think that there's just such a big danger in growing up in a time where you you don't see the world through the eyes of how it is. You see the world through the lens of Instagram and how others view you. Mm. And I think that it's so dystopian to me. I feel <laughs> I feel so disheartened by it. And that is terrible. Yeah, and as someone who grew up in YouTube culture, I mean, I was one of the first people on YouTube and on Twitter and on Instagram, and I'll be the first to say that I think it's probably one of the worst things we could be doing to ourselves. Wow, that really is a terrible situation in which we do find ourselves today in these filter bubbles, which you actually reference in your music. But it's also a wonderful point of creative inspiration. You, in Life Support, your single, use these issues as sort of double meanings. On one hand, I'm hearing this narrator, which almost has a Matrix-like experience of being tapped into a game and trying to get off life support. Mm. But it also has immediate connotations to what's happening today in our addictions. Mm. In your verse, you open up, you say, consumed by the game, designed by the blind, no escape route I can find, I'm resigned. And I think this is really brilliant because there's a third meeting here, which is that you're actually referencing how you designed this music, designed by the blind, without any sort of creator behind it. Yep. Good job. You're the first person <laughs> to point that one out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Charlie just got his comment liked. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a like and a follower, Charlie. <laughs> I feel validated. I really hope that gets retweeted a million times. <laughs> there's some really beautiful lyrical choices you're making here that our present, past, future, referencing all of the challenges with technology. What I really want to do today is talk about your sound palette, because I think that's where things get particularly interesting. And you've chosen, obviously, a very deliberate sound palette to evoke this dystopian sense. And I was hoping that you could describe what is the soundscape that you wanted to establish to create this scene? Well, to some degree, it was a bit dependent on the tool I was using, which in this case was an AI software called Amper. Yeah. And I found myself really enjoying the cinematic soundscapes that Amper was creating. Mm. A couple of the guys who, who started Amper actually came from Hans Zimmer's team. Mm. And you could tell because the soundtrack sounds and library were just, I think, so full and rich that I found myself perusing that side of the software far more than some of the pop and rock stuff. And so inevitably I was conjuring up various images as I would listen to the music that was being thrown out at me. And there was some variation of this piece that was the first variation of the piece that felt dystopian and had mm. elements of hard clanking and metal sounds in it, which kind of felt technology. And so I started writing this song based on that and then probably iterated on it, I don't know, 20 to 30 times. And then once I was happy with the melody, then I would start bringing in other instrumentation, as you said, with the intention of creating a soundscape that is dark and uh, electronic mm. and has a mixture of old school symphonic with just very hard percussive sounds. Okay. I feel like we have to back up for a second because <laughs> we're talking about ideas of composition and intentionality. And yet, hold on a second, you're using this tool called Amper Music to assist you in the composition process. So That's right. could you take us back and just tell us what is Amper Music and what is it doing for you as a musician? Sure. So Amper is one of many tools that are currently on the market that uses artificial technology in some form or fashion, machine learning, to create music. And it's a tool in that any kind of artist can use it 
and iterate on the music that it provides. And in doing so, the machine learns and supposedly, or is supposed to get better as it goes on. And as the artist, you essentially set parameters and iterate as many times as you'd like in order to get a result that you are happy with. So I actually grabbed a few clips from Amper. And I thought maybe we could play some examples of things that you could choose from Amper to ignite inspiration as a starting off point for a song. So the first track I've got here is a selection of a cool hip hop beat, light and spacey, 70 BPM in the key of A. I've decided, well, perhaps I don't like the key of A, I wanna go to the key of C, I wanna speed the whole thing up. I select all those little settings and boom, outputs the next version of the song. And I don't know about you, but already I am liking this track a whole lot more. Yeah, much better. It's got a little sauce to it. (laughs) (laughs) It does have a little sauce to it. I'm not in my head. (laughs) (laughs) And if we decided that we didn't like hip hop and I wanted to go into maybe say a 90s pop feel with a driving sort of sense, speed it up even faster, we could get Amper to output this. That was the wrong choice. (laughs) (laughs) My sixth grade self is very excited about that song. (laughs) I think in playing these sounds, it gives listeners a sense that Emperor is not outputting a complete song. It's giving you a point to begin with. That's right. It's giving you pieces. And the way I liken the songwriting process with Amper, or with actually many of these tools, is you become more of an editor or a director rather than a composer. You're basically Mm. given a ton of raw material, and it's your job to shape that material, to cut that material into something interesting and transform it. But you're still using the source material from the AI composition tool. Okay, So after listening to a bunch of these Amper tracks, I would imagine that a lot of people would be asking, what is the artificial intelligence component? And so what I thought we could do is break down some of the things that an artificial intelligence might be doing. And in order to do that, there's this really great open source music AI tool called Magenta that Google built. Mm. And they've got a handful of tools that help explain, I think, how a computer is being used to generate music. So I thought what we could do is just walk through a couple of examples of how artificial intelligence can create sound it can create a beat. It can create a melody. Great. Cool. Obviously, Taryn, you're very familiar with these sounds, but this stuff is totally new to me, and uh, I'm guessing absolutely new to Nate, and so oh, I yeah. find it absolutely fascinating. And the first one I saw, and I've heard that you've composed with nSynth, is this really cool new form of synthesizer mm-hmm. where two totally disparate sounds can be combined to create one new entirely unorthodox sound that's never been heard before. (laughs) So I have a clip for us of, well, I think you'll know the instruments when you hear them. That's a cow. That's an organ. And that's an organ cow. (laughs) (laughs) A corgan. (laughs) A corgan. That's a beautiful thing. I never knew I needed one. Wow, I did not see that coming. Okay, fascinating. Yeah, I used it to combine the sound of my cat with a synthesizer. And what happened? (laughs) It's a ridiculous sound. And of course, the only person who cares about that sound is me because of the story behind right. well, it. Well, so, <laughs> and your cat. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always create a beautiful sound, but it's all about the narrative, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And also, these tools, they're there for the happy accidents. They're there for those inspirational moments. Mm-hmm. So I love that you've got a, a cat... I, I don't know what, what a cat synthesizer should be called. <laughs> a cat synth. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I bet it made a great lead line in one of your songs. Yes, exactly. So the other thing that surprised me about Magenta was figuring out how an artificial intelligence may help make a beat. And there's this great tool they have called Beat Blender. I think this is a really great example of how software can, in a fairly obvious way, take two different things and, again, turn it into sort of a composite. So on Beat Blender, what you can do is you can basically insert two very simple beats and see what they sound like if they were mashed together in a random form generated by a computer. 
a simple drum beat, mm-hmm. number one. Even simpler, kind of just straight up rock beat, number two. Yeah, pretty by the numbers. And you put it together. And if we had asked Google's Magenta to create five more variations of the same thing, it would try to do so. And I think here we're seeing both the magic of artificial intelligence trying to figure out what notes to play when and where, and also some of the limitations. I don't know. What do you all think about those beats? I probably wouldn't be playing the third beat at my wedding, but it's it's a good example of how an AI is attempting to make sense of two very disparate pieces of music. Yeah. Like Taryn, I don't know that I would ever play that again in Polite Company, (laughs) but I could see that as the basis for a new composition. And what I did find exciting about it was that it was not something I'd heard before. Oh, right. That was kind of cool. It was familiar, but nothing I'd heard before. And that's rare. So that I did think was cool. Okay. So if we've got sounds, we've got rhythms, I think it would be only appropriate to look at melodies. And Magenta gives us one more interesting tool to look at it. An AI, which will take one melody and like the beat tool, take a second melody and find some sort of in-between of what you might infer if you like both of those. So let's take a listen to a Twinkle Twinkle Little Star combined with an arpeggiated sort of synth line. That's really unpleasant. (laughs) Okay, so those are the two different uh, sounds. And then if you play the next clip, you'll hear what happens when you try to get something somewhere in the middle. feeling that (laughs) i like somewhere in the middle it had a little something going on there yeah (laughs) it's interesting because the question i always like to ask myself when i if i'm able to talk to the engineers or the, the people who create the software is like what does it mean by having the machine take something in the middle and how do you program that and why is that perhaps the most valuable way to get something interesting like what are the techniques that humans use to pattern match good music Mm. and how can you potentially apply that type of human learning to AI so that you actually get good results, you know, rather than just total randomness. Hmm. (laughs) This is where having listened to some of these magenta tools, I'm like, okay, I kind of get what something like Amper is approaching. It's taking the sound components, the melody components and the beat generation components of AI and sort of putting them all together to then create some sort of composition. What I'm hearing underneath what you just shared, though, is that there are some limitations to what's possible. So could you frame where AI right now is particularly useful in making a composition? Absolutely. I think it's particularly useful in providing interesting inspiration points. You know, if we look at the way that human composers write music, it's fair to say that we often compose in the style that we are accustomed to listening to. And it's rare that we go outside of a given box. Right. And so the opportunity that I think AI affords is offering up styles and possibilities that, like one of you might have mentioned when we were listening to the clips, was a bit surprising (laughs) or (laughs) unlikely. (laughs) And then taking from that and building upon it. And I think that the opportunity that we all have as musicians, composers, and whatnot is to see these kinds of tools as actually an inspiration point that maybe exceeds our own abilities or our own ways of thinking, our own limited ways of thinking. Hmm. That is where I see the biggest opportunity in it currently. Because Hmm. the reality is most of these AI tools are not making great pieces of music on their own. They require (laughs) a fair amount of retooling or editing, so to speak, which probably makes a lot of human composers and musicians rejoice. (laughs) But the reality (laughs) is also that that may not be the case in five to ten years. Hmm. It may be able to fully make music that is um, quote-unquote good on its own. But at the moment, that's a subjective analysis. And so until we can force ourselves out of our own boxes and start creating, I think, 
music that surprises and astounds and maybe is just totally different than what we've heard before, AI will only just learn off of our own creations. Hmm. Well, that gets me to something that I'm really excited to get to share, which is even though there are limitations with some human intervention, AI is making some pretty spectacular music right now. And I thought it'd be fun to see if our own ears could outsmart a robot. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly what we're going to do when we come back after the break. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I have designed a really fun game, a sort of non-scientific Turing test, if you will, to see if AI music can outsmart a PhD and a brilliant musician. So, Nate, Taryn, are you ready to see if you can outsmart AI music? (laughs) Yes. I'm ready and terrified. (laughs) Okay. We've got five clips. Those listening along, see if you can keep track, see if you can win. First track, we're going to start... in the classical sphere, we're going to listen to some Bach. There was a wonderful Bach tool called BachBot. And BachBot asks you to listen to two pieces of Bach. One is Bach and one is not. And you've got to figure out which one's the bot. So that's the first half. Let's try the second clip and see which one is human, which one is bot. y'all feeling (laughs) a little nervous just because of what's at stake here wow this is pretty good (laughs) so uh Hmm. tara let's start with you what do you what do you think i would say that the second clip was created by a bot nate what do you think i'm also gonna guess that the second clip was created by a bot second clip was the bach bot wow but it's so close but it's subtle (laughs) very subtle and and in some ways i actually thought that the bot one was more interesting (laughs) (laughs) but there was something about it that felt slightly unbach like and i don't know what that you you guys would probably have a better sense of what that would be Well, so BachBot is trained on a neural network, which basically inserts all of Bach's compositions, take all the music, which is no longer under copyright. You can put all the lead sheets into a computer, scan it, and that computer is going to figure out which notes should most likely come after a note that came before it and do that across all four voices. And brilliantly, it prints out things which sound a whole lot like Bach. (laughs) However, not quite Bach. I don't know about you all, but I'm I'm curious. How did you decide that the second one was the bot and not the Bach? There was almost a little too much variation Hmm. that then struck me as a statistical generation of notes, as you were saying, versus a cohesive arrangement where there's potentially more repetition of certain notes to create that cohesive performance. That was my sense of it. But again, I thought it was still very, very close. No, I had a totally similar thought process. The repetition in the Bach feels very familiar. And I would say not even just the repetition, but then where Bach chooses to do the variation feels very human <laughs> somehow. Um, <laughs> not random. And I'd have to think about why that is a little more, but I'm definitely quaking in my boots a little right now. <laughs> Things are about to get harder. We're going to move on to uh, more symphonic sounds. That sounds like music. 
That sounds like music. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's good music. We're gonna, the question, though, was it composed by a human or a bot? Let's listen to the next clip and compare. you feel like you have enough information to make a conclusion? Mm. This one is hard. This is really hard. <laughs> was this with Ava? This is with Ava. Tell us about Ava and why Ava might be confusing us. Well, this one's going to be tougher to figure out because Ava uses, uh, and I'm working with Ava. I actually, my next song next week that is being released is with Ava. Ava uses human instrumentalists to transpose the music that's composed with the AI. And so right. you're going to hear, there's a human touch to it. It's right. not like it's Amper just spitting out the finished production, so to speak. Yes. These are both real orchestras, real that's humans right. playing both that's of right. these tracks. And so what we're trying to hear underneath it is, yep. is the underlying composition, human or machine. Ooh, I'm going to mess this one up. This one's a coin toss. You may notice that I intentionally chose two songs which use almost the exact same melodic motif. It might hurt you to know that you've heard one of these pieces before. What's the uh, composer of one of the pieces? Can you say? Oh, I don't want to give it away. You have to decide first and then I'll let you know. Okay. I'm going to guess that the first piece was the AI. Nate? Uh, I'm also <laughs> going to guess that the first piece was the AI. The first piece was Ava, and the second piece was John Williams playing Ray's theme, which is uh, the theme of Ray from the new Star oh, Wars wow. trilogy. Oh. How did you distinguish the difference, or are you just guessing? I felt that there was more build to the second song that started off very sparse and then slowly got bigger. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Ava track had a lot more going on. And also just from working with Ava, I guess I felt that there was, I don't know, something about it, something about the simplicity of the second song almost made me think that it had to be the human. Because Ava, as a result of having a lot of data, it tends to inject a little bit more in the pieces than you might find with a human composer, even when it's learned off of a composer that's relatively simple. Fascinating. I'm inferring that you're saying that Ava has a personality and a, <laughs> and a musical style, which is terrifying. <laughs> Nate, what did you hear? Yeah, well, I wouldn't have put it in the same terms, but what I did hear in the first example was what sounded like almost sort of a random uh, doubling of the initial line with different instruments. First, like some kind of high glockenspiel and then maybe some low strings. So it's being doubled by all these different instruments which might not be unusual in itself, but I think the way that it went from high to low just felt kind of arbitrary rather than it was building towards some, right. you know, inexorable conclusion, which, as Taryn pointed out, is more happening in the second one. It has this, like, very clear goal that it's trying to to reach toward. But, man, I was definitely sweating on that one. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take you from the classical realm into the more modern realm Let's take a listen to the next clip, and again, we're listening for Bot or Not. That's the first clip. second clip so what do we think which one's the human which one's the ai this one's not a fair fight because i actually know the answer because i know the ai track uh, <laughs> so i will stay out of it <laughs> nate i'm going to say that the second one is real or sorry whoa that, that was they're a crazy both real aren't the they? second one is yeah sorry the second one is made by humans okay and the first one is made by ai I hope you're not trying to pull my leg here because this is deeply embarrassing. The first one was actually a composition by the Beatles and Giles Martin. I was going to say it sounded like Tomorrow Never Knows meets Because, but I thought meets, Here Comes the Sun Backwards. Oh, I, this, this sucks. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Nate has read basically every biography of the Beatles. 
That was uh, a basically remixed track of the Beatles that George Martin's son, Giles Martin, did for the Vegas Cirque du Soleil show, Love, which makes us wonder, what was the second track? Taryn, can you tell us a bit about it? Yes, the second track is a track off of the debut album of Francois Benoit, who built Flow Machines, which is an AI composition tool that Sony acquired and then later Spotify. That is correct. This is a song called Daddy's Car. It was composed using styles of the Beatles. Yes. And in this case, it was actually, again, sheet music that was written and then humans playing the actual music. And this is basically a interpretation of what an AI would think the Beatles music would sound like. And so, Nate, you are fooled. You are shamed. You have <laughs> lost your PhD. And uh, you can Taryn will be shame. resuming my duties as co-host for the rest of our <laughs> podcast. So Taryn is currently three and oh and nate is two and one so the stakes have risen we're going to move on to the next track and this might get even more difficult because we're going to move into the realm of electronic dance music let's figure out human or ai now we're going to pause there and we'll go to the next clip That's what you got. You've chosen your clips very wisely. I also have to sit out <laughs> this one because I know the, the AI music. Oh, interesting. But you don't know the human music. No, I don't. Oh, okay. Nate, this is your... I know neither the human nor the AI. <laughs> so Taryn can't win a point here, I don't think. So I think we're going to have to see... What do you think? I think the second one was human and the first was AI. And what's leading you to that conclusion? I don't know <laughs> i really have no idea i just like the second one a little more so i'm hoping it's a human yeah the second one is a track by moby off of his new album <laughs> oh, so <funny. laughs> yes <laughs> the first one is taryn it's an amper track that they have a template for they have like 25 templates on their site that you can use to start a track and i recognize this template <laughs> <laughs> huh. All right, moving on to our last song in the challenge. Whoa, that's cool. And uh, let's listen to the next clip. Again, we have to figure out which one is the AI, which one is the human. Any guesses? I have to sit this one out because I know the human behind, <laughs> <laughs> behind one of them. You know their music. Well, this is great. It, it, it makes sense. You are an expert on artificial intelligence. So, Nate, you're alone again. <laughs> and yeah. everyone is looking at you. All lights, bright. Can you redeem yourself? No pressure whatsoever. This is so embarrassing. Not only has this game exposed <laughs> how much more musical knowledge Jaren has than I do, it's exposed how bad I am at guessing. I'm going to go with the first one in this case because while it does sound kind of random and insane, it also has these moments that seem so perfectly calculated that they could only be made by a human brain. Whereas the other one... Seems like it could have gotten lucky. <laughs> well, uh, this was kind of a trick question. Taryn, you know the artist. Who is this? Andrew Huang. He's a YouTuber slash musician. And he's extraordinary. And in this case, he's actually composed both pieces. However, oh. the first piece was composed entirely of sounds from Ensynth that he put together with the team at Google. And so these sounds are sounds that basically nobody has heard or created ever in human history. And I think he took something like 200 different clips, mashed them all together, made these weird, strange synthesis mashup sounds, and then made a composition from it. And he made one that sounded both beautifully electronic and disturbing and dystopian, but also very human. Wow. Okay. So cool. 
Andrew's super talented. <laughs> so talented. His his YouTube videos are uh, definitely a guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure who won. This is difficult. <laughs> I think we know that Taryn clearly knows her AI and Nate doesn't know what he's talking about whatsoever. So we're going to hand it to Taryn. Congratulations. You have won the <laughs> AI or not challenge. Thank you. I'd never win anything. So this is very exciting. <laughs> well, I think that this leads us into a really important conversation about what are the limitations of this technology? What are the ways in which we are identifying what is made from an artificial intelligence and what is made from a human? What are the things that you've uncovered in your creative process, Taryn? Well, I think as to some degree, as you heard in the clips, and not all of the clips were solely AI in the sense that, right. as we discussed, some of them were produced using human musicians. Um, and in many cases, such as the one with Flow Machines, the Beatles song, there may have even been a fair amount of even notation editing um, happening in the back end. Absolutely. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just telling you that that's what's happening. Mm. You're, you're saying that my sample set is a little bit uh, misleading, and that's true. I, I, wa- no, I wanted no, no, to no. play. <laughs> no, it, it, it's more that the marketing of what's Absolutely. actually happening behind the scenes is, is misleading. I'm not criticizing any artist. A lot of it is just even press and the press that I've dealt with in talking about my album it's easier for people to slap a quick headline onto something rather than right. actually explain the process. Right. For me, I think that just the process of using AI as an inspiration point is super interesting, but it's probably easier for a newspaper or a blog to say like song made with AI, yes. you know, and then they call it a day. As right. we heard, it's, <laughs> it's tough for AI to, I think, build a song that has built, <laughs> actually. Yeah, right. Any sort of sense of development, melodic development, harmonic yeah. development, and That's consistency right. at the same time. It's like, in some ways, doesn't it feel like it kind of reaches too far? There's no patterns. And yet humans would be, in some ways, as you put it, simpler, which is almost unexpected. Yeah. The AI needs to learn to calm down because it just gets a little too excited and it throws a lot at you. And sometimes it's like being punched in the face. And I think that's fairly consistent across pretty much every platform I've worked with is it just tends to be pretty busy and there's just not a lot of coherence to a particular song. It's hard to stay in a specific mood or for it to exercise any sort of (laughs) self-restraint. That's the limitations, really. Hmm. There's clearly so many things that humans are better at. Currently, we're better at pattern matching in music. We are better at reflectivity and reflecting back on the music and asking questions about it. That's a real big general AI problem that I don't think is uh, even close to being solved by uh, musical AIs. I think we're also better at making happy accidents, but putting them in intentionally. There's all, there's all these ways that, especially when I'm listening to that Bach, which I think is obviously the hardest to tell the difference, both perhaps because of our familiarity with the music, except Nate, you, I mean, you should really know what you're talking about with the, uh, the, the whole PhD thing. You're getting burned today. I'm really sorry. But uh, aside from the Bach, I mean, I, I, usually what I'm looking for is any sort of sense of development and form. And I'm just not hearing development and form. But to your point about marketing, sort of jumps over the point, which is that these AIs are built for a very specific purpose, which is right now that they're built to make commercial music for content, right? Mm-hmm. They're basically replacing the most boring music in the world. <laughs> I love that. You should actually tell the AI companies to make that their new marketing headline. <laughs> replacing the most boring music in the world. <laughs> One stock music at a time. Things that are just like, I've made an Instagram video and I need some sound in the background, which sounds vaguely like music. AI can do that fairly decently at this point. Yeah. I made kind of a bad joke recently in an interview and I felt sort of (laughs) terrible about it. But since you said your funny comment, I will share it with your audience. When someone asked me, they said, are you worried about AI taking composers jobs? And I was like, as of right now, only really bad composers. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, oh man, I hope they don't quote me on that because that just might look bad. But if you just take it as it is, by itself, without any any sort of human interaction, it's at best it's replacing, you know, stock music behind mediocre YouTube videos. <laughs> right. Am I allowed to say that? Is that okay? A hundred percent. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I okay. mean, that's its intent, right? This is for people who are making content that can't afford to license high quality music right now. Mm-hmm. Licensed music for advertisement is not going away right now. 
I wanted to give Nate an opportunity to redeem himself, if you don't mind, because I feel like this has been a really embarrassing episode for him. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Nate and I had a really fun adventure recently visiting New Orleans, where we got to see that this issue of humans being replaced by technology and music is by no means new. The marketing hype should not be that exciting. It's an old story. So, Nate, you have a story for us about this, don't you? Yes. Charlie and I went to visit M.S. Rao Antiques, which is this incredible store in the French Quarter of New Orleans. When you enter MS Rao, one of the first things you see is an original Enigma machine. And then you go into the back room, and that's when it starts to get crazy. They have a giant wooden box, taller than a person, probably like eight feet tall by maybe six feet wide. And you think, what is this box going to do? And then you flick a switch, and it opens up and reveals an accordion of piano, <laughs> drums. This is what you hear. That's crazy. This incredible creation called an orchestrion. This is an orchestra in a box. This is when your musicians are too drunk to play <laughs> and or they're they're out of tune or they, you know, hawk their violin at the pawn shop and you still need oh to entertain gosh. people, you turn on the orchestrion and you have a whole orchestra played by pneumatic pumps. So that's the original DJ, basically, <laughs> right? That's the 19th century equivalent of Diplo playing Coachella. That is all you need. But we can go even further back. I mean, we can go back to, if you're going to indulge me for a moment, we can go back to ancient Greece because perhaps the first sort of mechanical instrument, the first AI, <laughs> is the Aeolian harp. Are you familiar with the Aeolian harp, anyone? No. Oh, well, you are in for a treat. Aeolian <laughs> as in from Aeolus, the Greek word for wind, I guess. Also a minor key. The Aeolian harp is played by the wind. So mm. you just leave it out on, you know, sort of a windswept cliff somewhere, tuned to uh, a certain, you know, series of sympathetic intervals. And you just wait for a gust to come along, and it creates these fascinating random soundscapes. Wow. That's so cool. Wow, it's really beautiful. Might be better than some of the AI music. The wind has, <laughs> makes makes some better choices. The first artificial intelligence. It's not dissimilar. <laughs> and then there's probably one more kind of mechanical music that we're all very familiar with, and that would be the music box, which we are often accustomed to in the form of some kind of desktop model that you could hold in your hand and spin. But these were also made on a scale where they could fill up a whole room with their sound. Let's listen to one of these massive music boxes made around at the turn of the century playing a John Philip Sousa track. Whoa. I remember those. Grandma had one of those. <laughs> Wow. Wait, how does this thing work? This is all being triggered by a series of indentations in a metal disc that in turn triggers mallets to strike various size bells. And some of those are very low, which is why you get those very low tones and some of them are very high. So we have this huge spread of music. I mean, I know that the technology behind these things is kind of shocking that, that we could create these like robotic orchestras <laughs> many, many, many years ago. 
in this form, we, we have composers like Handel and Haydn and Beethoven are actually composing for these instruments, for music boxes, for orchestrion. So these are oh. like a real part of the musical tradition. How old were these? The music box we just listened to was from around the turn of the century, but these were being produced from the 1600s forward. Wow. Whoa. I picked this one that featured a John Philip Sousa track because John Philip Sousa, this is the famous March composer who wrote Stars and Stripes Forever. And, you know, in the beginning of the 20th century was like the biggest guy in American music. He was very terrified and furious about what he saw (laughs) as the coming computer robot music revolution which was well that was the the phonograph record that was the birth of recording uh, and in 1906 john philip Sousa writes this essay that you could easily i think apply to someone today who was similarly scared about ai composing in 1906 john philip Sousa wrote sweeping across the country with the speed of a transient fashion in slang or Panama hats, political (laughs) war cries or popular novels, comes now the mechanical device to sing for us a song or play for us a piano in substitute for human skill, intelligence, and soul. (laughs) There you go. Where, Where did you get that article? That's amazing. This was a long article he wrote in 1906 called the Menace of Mechanical Music. And I'll be happy to, to send it to you or we can post it online and share Please. it. But yeah, That's I mean, it's amazing. wild because, you go, oh, now 112 years later, we still have the same fears about what next musical technology is coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Mm. Beautiful, Nate. So this is old hat. Am I redeemed? I'm intrigued. Super redeemed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so thus it ever was, right? As much as it, may terrify me too to think of these ai composers taking over it's probably more of the same i don't know let's i i, I want to ask taryn a bit more about this because we don't want to use a heuristic to lead to a false conclusion taryn earlier in the show you suggested hey musicians don't worry about it ais are pretty bad at making a good composition for the next couple of years maybe a decade or so where do you see this technology going from the research that you've done into it um, okay. This is, this has been a great show, guys, <laughs> I gotta say. And yeah. we've gone through a lot of really interesting topics. And I think the article that you just shared, Nate, hits the nail on the head in terms of how most people view AI with this sort of terror that John <laughs> expressed in the early 1900s with mechanical music, which of course is now a staple of probably a lot of musicians in their work. But right. Right. I'm curious to ask the question of what will be birthed as a result of these new tools entering Mm. the marketplace and how that will create a whole new area of need that we can't even yet imagine or contemplate in the same way that being a YouTube video creator was not even possible 15 years ago because Mm. YouTube didn't exist. And the idea of digital video 25 years ago was actually impossible to fathom. And we've created all of these new areas of artistry where creatives are needed in different capacities. And I think the same will be the case with music. I I actually do think that AI will get to a point of creating fantastic music probably much sooner than 10 years from now, mm. um, just based on the relative exponential rate of technology growth and mm. the money that's now being invested in this area. But mm-hmm. it's what we choose to do with it as humans and as artists. We always find really interesting ways to evolve with the times. And so I I was actually just talking today with a guy who runs a music publishing company and he called me and he was both concerned and excited about the possibilities. And he said, I don't know what to tell some of my young clients about whether they should be entering the world of musical composition. And I'm like, I don't really have the right answer to that. But I would imagine that using these types of tools that will have all kinds of new games to play and new types Hmm. of entertainment to enjoy. Uh, I can imagine that haptics and that augmented reality and that these these other new technologies that are just coming onto the marketplace could interact with music in ways that we can't even yet imagine to create experiences for people. And so people who have like a real 
not just ear and passion for music, but experience the world through music could probably dive into that in some mm. insane way that we just, we can't comprehend yet. Mm. And so I'm excited about that. But the reality is that, yeah, I would say many of us may not be looking at music or composing music the same way in 25 years. And that's okay. Wow. Mm. Mind blown. <laughs> I also would add that you're going to have like a whole group of young people, right, that have never had traditional music education or backgrounds because we have so little funding for it, not just in the States, but around the world. Right. And if you're a kid who wants to make a song and your first entry point is through these tools and you possibly know how to code, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but you're, you're figuring out how to create with a different language than one that is used mm. in music education classrooms, you are inevitably going to, there is like, I, I don't even know what to think about how, what they'll do with the tools, but it might be something totally different than what we would do given uh, our traditional music education. Because there's a frame and a background mm. that's really hard. It's a box in many ways that's hard to like jump out of. Right. But if you're not given the rules, then you just create something new. It's kind of like, I would imagine electronic music and hip hop, how like early days of hip hop, a lot of traditional musicians were like, this is crap. This isn't music. <laughs> and hip hop just right. like did their, uh, they did oops, their thing. Wrong prediction. Yeah, they did their thing and they've really transcended into multiple genres right. as well as electronic music. So early tool adopters just think differently. Can I make a prediction then? This is ridiculous, but it makes me think of a really bad episode of family guy which encompasses i think all episodes of family guy that i haven't watched <laughs> since i was a teenager but there was an episode in which peter griffin the lead character fathered figure somehow i don't know if he asks a genie a wish or something he ends up having an orchestrated theme song following every single action that he does and it's wildly entertaining and becomes quickly very obnoxious because the theme music never goes away so perhaps in the future i can conduct and compose my own theme music at all times that perfectly represents my state of mind my mood whatever's going on so there's my ridiculous prediction i love that prediction and i actually agree that that will probably <laughs> that will probably happen <laughs> yeah, weird I mean, world. yeah i have my own sort of internal symphony happening sometimes so if i was able to actually <laughs> create that on the fly and then share that with others while also throwing in some augmented reality graphics and um touch haptics at the same time that would be pretty cool <laughs> that's awesome it's like my own romantic comedy following me 24 7 <laughs> I feel like this has been an extraordinary, I guess, remaking of all of my thoughts about artificial intelligence and music, because I feel like your music and your compositional process has both helped me really understand the limitations and the context of what these tools are being used for today, and certainly getting rid of all of the sort of marketing hype that it's going to ruin our lives. And at the same time, you've given me a great optimistic view of all sorts of new creative forms that I can't even imagine. So thank you for all of that. And I want to know where can we find your music? When's it coming out? What's going on? Thank you so much. Well, all my music goes up on iTunes and Spotify and all the usual players. You can find the official music videos for the songs on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Taryn, T-A-R-Y-N. And uh, yeah, I'm on all the regular social media channels. My album comes out this September. But like I said, I've got a couple more singles that I'm releasing until then. So you can just subscribe on YouTube to get those as they come. Fun stuff. Thank you so much, Taryn. Yeah. Thank you. Switched on Pop was produced by me, Charlie Harding. And me, Nate Sloan. Thank you so much to Terrence Hutton for joining us today on the show. Our editor and mix engineer is Bill Lance. Our designer is Luke Harris and... We are a proud member of the Panoply Network. You can find more episodes of Switched on Pop on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, whatever player you prefer, or check out our website, switchedonpop.com. We'll be back again in two weeks with more episodes. And until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.